0: Tornado too close for comfort. Right now. Safeway parking lot. The Seattle suburb torn apart by a twister.
1: Good evening. New drunk driving laws. This is something that is absolutely unheard of in Canadian history.
2: What you need to know if police ask you to blow.
0: And
3: drama on the high seas. And I saw these guys go out in that. It was, it was risky.
0: B.C. ferries' passengers witness a life-saving rescue. You're watching Global B.C. This is Global Hour at 6. Good
2: evening and thanks for joining us. We begin with breaking details of that tornado that touched down late this afternoon just west of Seattle.
0: The pictures are pretty dramatic. Roofs ripped off of homes and businesses, trees uprooted. And Nadia Stewart shows us the damage.
4: That's you know, for real. For real. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It is the kind of devastation people who live in Port Orchard say they've never seen before. There it is, gentlemen. For real,
5: through
6: the state. 58 years, born and raised.
4: Port Orchard Public Works Director Mark Dorsey says it's easy to see why so many were caught off guard on Tuesday afternoon.
7: If you've seen some of the pictures of roofs torn off and damaged houses and buildings everybody's freaking out because it's like this is washington we don't have tornadoes in washington
4: the tornado touched down just before two in the small town of port orchard about one hour west of seattle by ferry about 90 percent of the city lost power with the tornado uprooting trees sending them crashing into power lines and homes
0: Right now,
7: Safeway
4: parking lot.
7: There's quite a bit of residential damage. There's gonna be a dozen or so homes that people may not be staying in their house tonight. And then there's definitely some commercial properties that sustain damage.
4: At this point, there have been no reports of serious injuries. We're all okay, so thank you, Lord. (laughs) But the cleanup could take a while. Whether events like this are rare here. On average, Washington State sees about two tornadoes per year. The focus for Tuesday night is on ensuring all of these homeowners have a place to spend the night. On Wednesday morning, Dorsey says they'll have a clearer picture of which buildings might have to be condemned. Nadia Stewart, Global News.
0: Amazing images for sure, and meteorologist Christy Gordon is here to talk about just how rare this is. Christy, not a lot of people can remember anything like this on the coast.
8: No, certainly not, not in their lifetime. Thanks, uh, Chris. So you heard Nadia say 2.5 uh, tornadoes in Washington State in a year, but the likelihood of that being in the Puget Sound area is very, very small. Here's some stats, though, on BC tornadoes on record. So since 199, sorry, 1894, 51 in all of BC, and only 18 confirmed now. For the South Coast, we've only had 10 and only six of those confirmed. And in the last 40 years, uh, I have only been able to find F-0 tornadoes. Nothing stronger than that, just to give you a perspective. Here's some of the more recent ones. One actually happened uh, just this past September near Hayward Lake and near Mission uh, in So, yeah, not too long ago, but it looks like from there on in, it's sort of once every 10 to 12 years uh, based on our stats here across the South Coast. Now, keep in mind, these are single cell tornadoes. These are not super cell tornadoes. So the scary part with this is that they develop really quickly and they can cause a lot of destruction without
2: very much warning at all.
0: Sure saw that down in Washington State. Okay, thanks, Christy. We'll check in later.
2: Now, Canada's new drunk driving laws are in effect and drivers will now face stricter penalties. But it's the enhanced power of officers that's raising questions tonight. Our Romina Dea is live with more on the change. Rumina police are now able to demand a breath sample from any driver they stop.
9: Any driver, Sophie. That's what the new law states, Bill C-46, will give... Police across this country, more power, and if drivers refuse to blow, the consequences will be severe. Cheers. Not everyone is celebrating the new legislation.
3: Blow, 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 blow.
9: Police across Canada now have the right to demand a breath sample from any driver they stop, period.
6: Yes, drinking and driving shouldn't happen, and we want to keep people safe, but... I think history has shown that the erosion of civil liberties has never been a good thing for the public.
9: Under the old law, police were required to have reasonable suspicion a driver was impaired before they could demand a breath test. Now, if an officer says blow and you refuse, you'll be hit with a $2,000 minimum fine, which has doubled, plus a one-year driving ban and a criminal record. We know
8: now that it's the majority of people who do it, who drink and get behind the wheel of a car, do it because they think they're going to get away with it. What it does is it's a deterrent.
9: Defence lawyers argue the new law is unconstitutional. They plan to fight it.
1: It's something that shocks me to the core that the government did this, because... By making the penalty so significant for refusing to provide a sample, they're essentially extorting people into complying with an unconstitutional law until it's found invalid.
9: Federal Justice Minister Jody Wilson-Raybould says she believes the law will stand up to any potential legal test. She's 100% confident it does not violate the Charter. The public split on whether infringing on Canadian civil liberties is the right tactic.
7: I think drunk drivers should be treated super seriously. So I think I'm, I'm for it for sure.
9: I think they already have too much power as
5: it is, but I think it's probably going to be a good thing because lots of people drink and drive. I
2: think that there should be um, probable cause before you pull someone over because you want to feel safe um, driving like you're not a target. All right, Ramina, so to be clear, what is the advice to drivers if they are asked to take a breathalyzer?
9: It was a little unexpected, Sophie. The lawyers, at least that we spoke to today, said that you should blow first and fight it later in court because the penalties are just so harsh now. If you're stopped a second time and you refuse to blow, it's a minimum of 30 days in prison, Sophie.
2: I'm sure we'll be hearing more about this issue in the weeks and months to come. Ramina, thank
0: you. Well, it's been more than two months since marijuana became legal in Canada, but in all of B.C., known for its high-quality bud and copious consumption, there are only two shops legally selling it, and not one of them is in Vancouver. How can that be? Well, as Aaron MacArthur explains, there's a lot of blame to go around. Yes, yes. always important.
6: Not a lot to do these days for the employees at Evergreen Cannabis. The shelves are empty. The store shut down voluntarily, while the paperwork ground its way through the system. The application was submitted in August, and they have no idea when they can start to sell government weed. We're so close, I, I could taste it. I just really, really hope I see it before Christmas. The regulations are rigorous. Rightly so. But according to applicants, there is confusion about the process. So far, the only city in B.C. to figure it all out is Kimberley, where the lone private cannabis shop is open.
4: I wouldn't describe it as
10: overly difficult. It was just very arduous. In
6: Vancouver, applicants need city land use approval first before applying to the province, which then sends the application back to the city to be recommended back to the province. Four months later, there are five shops in Vancouver on the verge of opening. The province expects approval, possible by the end of the year. People have said, look, why aren't there 250 stores up running day one? And we've made it clear it's going to take two to three years for a fully functioning retail system to, to be in place. The city of Vancouver, meanwhile, has 13 more shops to consider but is at the same time trying to shutter the stores that will never meet the requirements. They keep talking about this enforcement, closing the illegal shops, because you're basically taking our profits and giving them to confirmed criminals right now. Even when approved, Evergreen still needs a business license from the city, which should at this point be a formality. When they will finally be able to sell to the public is still an unknown. Aaron MacArthur, Global News.
2: A two-year-old is very lucky to have escaped a cougar attack in Mission with only minor injuries. Cascade Falls Regional Park is now closed as conservation officers monitor the area and come up with a long-term solution. The attack happened yesterday afternoon as the toddler was walking along a trail with his nanny.
7: It's likely it could have been moving through the area. There's nothing holding it here. As far as we know, it's an isolated incident.
2: The big cat has yet to be found. Thankfully, the little boy ended up with only scratches and a small puncture wound to his arm.
0: The lower mainland housing market is shifting in favor of buyers now. And according to a new report, those declining sales and lower prices mean that B.C.'s housing market is officially in slowdown mode. Jennifer Palma has a closer look at how much it's down and how long it could stay that way. uh,
1: After years of a seller's market, it seems the tide is turning. Buyers are getting a break when it comes to home prices. A Central One Credit Union report points that out.
11: The policy-driven events that we've seen have really lowered the, number one, the overall sales conditions. We're seeing uh, slowing prices. We're also expecting to see uh, a significant slowdown in the overall uh, new home starts. The
1: report shows resale home transactions fell 17 percent this year. While resale prices are also set to go down about 2% to an average of $520,000 next year. The reason for the decrease? For the most part, government policies.
6: We saw the federal government come in with a 2% stress test and new mortgage rules. And and trust me, that has had a bigger impact than anything we've seen in years. Follow that up by the provincial governments uh, addressing vacancy with the vacancy tax, foreign buyers tax.
1: Construction is also set to be affected, with housing starts dipping from 39,500 units in 2018 to less than 32,500 units in 2019 and 2020.
11: So this is a one-bedroom and den. It all adds up to
1: offering buyers more time.
11: They can be patient in in the... in uh, their negotiating. They don't need to jump on any particular property uh, because there's going to be quite a bit available in the market. Uh, for sellers, if they really feel they need to sell, then they're going to have to cut their prices. Where are you guys the Central One Credit Union
1: report says the B.C. The BC housing, housing market is in the midst of a for mild recession that there, could last up to 10%? three years.
6: Yeah. My prediction is we'll have a slowdown in December, January,
0: February, followed by a revival of the market in the spring market.
1: Jennifer Palma, Global News.
0: Well, Keith Baldry joins us right now with more on the financial shortfall this slowdown could create for the government. Real estate's so important to the economy here, Keith.
7: Yes, very important to the government's bottom line, Chris. So it didn't get a lot of attention, but this quarterly report just came out a couple weeks ago uh, had uh, the disclosure that the government has really reduced the amount of money it expects to collect in property transfer taxes. It's been collecting well over $2 billion a year, but now take a look at these numbers. Uh, This year expected to be $400 million loss over what was projected to be collected, and it starts to increase year to year because they expected to collect more money every year, $422 million less than expected next year, $472 million. Less than expected the following year, three-year total shortfall, $1.3 billion. That is if the current conditions actually continue, that there is no further drop-off or there's no rebound. If it just stays the way it is today, we're looking at well more than $1 billion loss in projected revenue. That's a huge number for Carol James, which is why I think she's probably hoping for at least a little bit of a rebound so her bottom line looks a little bit bit better three years from now.
0: All right, we'll see what happens. Thank you, Keith
2: evidence the honeymoon is over for Surrey's new mayor Doug McCallum. He's swept to power in the recent municipal election with a platform to make Surrey safer. But as Tanya Bezier reports, reality has set in and even members of his own party are wondering how he can deliver without adding more police and community centers.
12: I think we're putting our public safety at a huge risk. Surrey council split over how to spend the city's money.
3: When I don't see Things like, um, you know, the safety aspect being looked after for me, um, that's important. Uh, and I I'm firmly believe that's why people elected me.
12: Former RCMP officer and city councillor Jack Hundile, one of four to vote against Surrey's operating budget. Among his major concerns, the lack of additional police until the city establishes its own municipal force.
3: There was a deficit for six last year as well. So over the course of this budget, we're looking at uh, 54 police officers that were supposed to be committed uh, or the course of this budget that we're not going to see.
12: To slash the debt, Surrey also voted to postpone capital projects, including the Cloverdale Sports Complex and a library in Grandview Heights. Councillors say they received more than 300 emails opposing the budget. I'm a hockey mom.
4: Uh, I can tell you that we do not have enough ice services in this city, and we haven't for a very long time. There was ground was broken for that arena, it was promised to children, it was promised to parents. The controversial plan passed
12: with a 5-4 vote, but of those opposed, three are from Mayor Doug McCallum's own Safe Surrey Coalition.
3: In some ways I guess this will be the test of that coalition.
12: A coalition that started off strong, unanimously approving the motion to kill LRT and build a Surrey Municipal Police Force. But councillors say they will continue speaking their minds. I don't think that the public wanted to see a bunch of yes men or yes women. Mayor McCallum not commenting until the budget gets its final reading Wednesday. Tanya Beja, Global News.
2: She was in a league of her own Hollywood mourns the loss of amazing acting and directing talent Penny Marshall coming up on the news hour
0: and nursed back to health. It's time to go back to the wild for a bunch of seals, but some needed or seemed at least a little reluctant to go needed a little prodding. We'll talk about that (laughs) coming up a little later.
2: Right now, though, caught on video, a B.C. ferry coming to the rescue of a man on a sinking boat in rough water.
0: As Kylie Stanton reports, the coastal celebration was in the right place, right in the nick of time. And this is them going alongside the
3: ferry. You can see how the wind is howling and the waves are splashing.
13: The conditions out at sea couldn't have been worse Monday night.
3: Completely dark, you know. 90-kilometer-hour winds and massive waves.
13: But that didn't stop a BC ferry from coming to the rescue of a man whose boat was quickly taking on water. We did
8: receive a mayday call uh,
13: from a person who was on a 24-foot aluminum vessel
8: that was in distress. It was actually sinking.
13: The captain of the coastal celebration responded just west of Moresby Island, positioning the vessel to block the wind and alerting passengers on board that a rescue attempt was in progress.
3: We were discussing could the Coast Guard get there in time because we thought maybe the BC Ferries guys couldn't go out. The weather was that bad.
13: They were wrong. Within minutes, a BC Ferries rescue boat was deployed with three crew members in survival suits. They managed to make their way to the boater, bringing him on board just in time.
3: It went down, you know, seconds or a minute or whatever after he was plucked from it. This guy would not have made it without him. I'm very confident of that. Coming down.
13: But this is what they train for. Crew members run drills on a regular basis. Still twice in the past year, there have been serious incidents where employees were injured during the exercises, which shows that the risk is real.
8: The training definitely pays off. Uh, it really becomes ingrained. It becomes second nature to the crews when they hear those alarm bells ring. And they just jumped into action last
13: night and they did save this gentleman. The boater was brought into the Swartz Bay government dock where emergency crews were waiting to take him to hospital.
3: You can see he's got his life jacket on.
13: For younger, it was a humbling experience that's going to stay with him every time he boards a ferry.
3: I'm pretty impressed and I think people should be very thankful um, and know that when they're on the ferry, they have
0: people with that type of training.
13: Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria.
0: High on any holiday gift list, the latest and greatest (laughs) gadgets from smartphones to computers. It's out with the old and in with the new this Christmas.
2: But do you know what to do with your old electronics? Linda Ellsworth has some ideas. Aw, someone loved that once. Welcome to a place where memories and assorted
10: electronic stuff go to be recycled and reborn.
14: I remember when that was new technology, when they were, when they were fighting over whether it was going to be beta or VHS.
10: And they both lost.
14: And they both lost. <laughs> There's a lot of valuable material in electronics. Aluminum, steel, copper, even gold and silver in the circuit boards.
10: There are also nasty things like toxic metals, one of the many reasons the Electronic Products Recycling Association was formed a decade ago.
14: Unfortunately, most of the old electronics, if you go back ten years ago, wound up in landfill. A lot of them also were uh, exported illegally.
10: Usually to developing nations where under unhealthy conditions the valuable contents were extracted. But now it happens at home, safely, at one of three BC processors like FCM Recycling in Delta.
3: We remove all the materials that have like mercury and lead that are displaced for further disassembly here or treatment here in the plant.
10: BC recycles 20,000 metric tons of electronics a year. That includes pretty well anything that has a plug or uses batteries,
14: even toys. As long as they have electronics in them, then uh, they're still uh, recyclable in our program.
10: The journey begins at over 270 recycling depots that can be found at recyclemyelectronics.ca. It's easy,
14: it's free, and yet some outdated electronics still end up in the landfill. If it's got life left in it, don't throw it away, don't recycle it. But uh, yeah, once it's dead, uh, then bring it to us. Linda Aylesworth, Global News.
2: It's a better alternative than sitting in the corner of my living room collecting dust. (laughs)
0: Right. (laughs) <laughs> right, or the back of a closet or a drawer exactly. somewhere.
2: Well, some harbor-sealed pups are heading home for the holidays thanks to the Vancouver Aquarium's Marine Mammal Rescue Center. Three, two, one!
0: She <laughs> was making a break for it there. The center staff today released seven more of the 172 seal pups that they've rescued over the year back into the water at Richmond's Iona Beach Regional Park. While one of them made a beeline for the water, two others had to be convinced to leave their cages. The rehabilitated seals included peanut Buttercup, pumpkin cheesecake, and cinnamon bun, adding to the occasion a flock of snow geese, giving them an official send-off. Well,
4: These guys come from all over the uh, British Columbia coastline. Uh, they've been phoned in by members of the public who have been concerned or concerned citizens in any sort of way that have seen these animals on the beach will observe them for a, a period of time to ensure that they actually have been uh, abandoned or lost with their mums. And then they're brought into our facility then. America.
2: Former Donald Trump National Security Advisor Michael Flynn was granted a delay today in his sentence for lying to the FBI about his contacts with Russia. But that came after the judge ripped into Flynn, saying he was disgusted by his crimes and wondering if prosecutors had considered charging him with treason.
0: And more blistering criticism today from New York's Attorney General for Donald Trump's Charitable Foundation.
2: In announcing a deal to shut down the foundation, Barbara Underwood outlining what she calls a shocking pattern of illegality.
15: Donald Trump's charity acted more like a checkbook for his campaign, according to the New York Attorney General, who announced an agreement today with the president's attorney to dissolve the controversial Trump Foundation. Barbara Underwood blasting what she called a shocking pattern of illegality. The foundation, she argues, used to help the president politically. The lawsuit points to 2016 appearances like this one.
16: We just cracked
8: six million dollars, right?
15: Then candidate Trump giving out donations to veterans right before the Iowa caucuses. A Washington Post investigation revealed other donations had benefited the Trumps. Its biggest one ever helped restore a fountain outside a Trump hotel in 1989. The smallest, seven dollars to the Boy Scouts. Exactly the enrollment fee the year Donald Trump Jr. was 11. $10,000 was spent on a Trump portrait that became a punchline for political opponents.
14: The other candidates' foundation took money other people gave to his charity and then bought a six-foot-tall painting of himself.
15: Tonight, the attorney for the Trump organization defended the foundation and the 19 million dollars, he says, it's distributed to more than 700 charities. The statement accusing the New York attorney general, a Democrat, of an attempt to politicize the agreement and pointing out the foundation's been trying to dissolve ever since Donald Trump won the 2016 election, something New York state prevented as it pursued its investigation.
0: Well, the man who killed his father former girlfriend and a complete stranger has been sentenced to life in prison with no chance of parole for 75 years Dellen millard gave a rare third or given a rare third consecutive life sentence meaning that the 33 year old won't be eligible for parole until he's 102 if he lives that long millard was found guilty of first-degree murder in the death of his father wayne which originally was ruled a suicide He was charged with that murder after he'd already been charged with killing Tim Bosma and former girlfriend Laura Babcock. In health matters tonight, Vancouver's new mayor trying to hit the ground running in his attempt to ease the city's illicit drug overdose crisis.
2: As Grace Key reports, Kennedy Stewart's emergency task force today recommended some immediate action to save lives. (laughs)
5: Every day on average, one person dies from overdosing in Vancouver. Now Mayor Kennedy Stewart is making 23 recommendations laid out from his overdose emergency task force.
7: Unless we take urgent and bold action now, our friends, family and neighbours will continue to die.
5: With the majority of deaths occurring in SROs, supportive housing and shelters, one proposal calls for an 18-month pilot of an overdose prevention site in at least five private SROs. We have started to uh, track the uh, buildings where
2: deaths are occurring and work with providers to implement what we call overdose prevention services. It may be identifying a space in a building where staff can observe residents to, well, while they're consuming drugs and are trained to respond if there's an overdose.
5: About 40% of deaths are caused by inhaling fentanyl. With only one inhalation tent in Vancouver, a new one is being recommended. There's also a call for a clean drug supply. The city would find storefront space where the BC Centre for Disease Control can launch a hydromorphone pilot project.
10: There's a really good understanding that safe supply is going to really help um, folks uh, get what they need as opposed to having to... Um, to use what's killing them on the streets.
5: The strategies highlight support for Indigenous communities, including women and children, stopping the cycle of overdose and introducing a safe supply.
7: So I'm calling on the provincial and federal government to seek their commitment to enter into a new Vancouver agreement to have a long-term approach to addressing this crisis.
5: As for the cost, half a million dollars one-time commitment would come from the city, 2.7 million from the province and $770,000 from the federal government. The report goes before council for approval on Thursday. Grace Key, Global News.
2: giant silos crashed to the ground in poland part of a controlled demolition the silos were built in the 1960s and were part of a cement factory for more than a half century they are making way for a new 2500 unit housing development
0: and how about this missouri firefighters called to a toaster fire and find a more complicated rescue than they expected that's coming up right after the forecast
2: Some wild weather out there, particularly for Washington State. Uh, Christy Gordon joining us. And a lovely way to start it off.
10: Wow.
8: That's right. So while they're dealing with thunderstorms south of the border today, we did have a few thunderstorms across Vancouver Island, but this is what we were enjoying today. Of course, it's a combo between the heavy rain and the sunshine, and that's what we saw today. So thank you to Alexander for that shot. We've got a few of them. A lot of people sending me rainbow photos today. Thanks to Joan for that one and another one from Linda. So here's a look at the reason why. We certainly had some pockets of bright spells or blue spells, sky, but we also had pockets of rain. We've got one that is just about to move onshore across Metro Vancouver right now. So this will be on and off through the overnight period, focusing in on that Port Orchard area just to show you the cell that rolled through there, a single cell, very intense, developed and uh, the touchdown, it, as, as far as we know, lasted only between a minute or two, but incredible destruction through that area. Uh, we still don't have uh, confirmation as to how strong the tornado is. Um, I am anticipating an F2, but we'll wait to see the uh, the National Weather Service gets out there tomorrow and does a survey. This, everyone, is what we call a barrel Clinic leaf. It is the baby version of what we're going to see on Thursday. And yes, we are going to see warnings, wind and rainfall warnings. It will develop through the early morning hours on Thursday. So watch for that Wednesday. We'll be giving you warnings tomorrow. In the meantime, winter storm warning. Wait to see what's going on on the white Whiteout conditions a ton of snow, still expecting another 25 centimeters. In the next 24 hours, they're seeing gusty winds as well. That's why I recommend waiting. Tomorrow afternoon, there might be a brief window. Allison Pass also experiencing similar conditions. Rogers Pass and Kootenai Pass as well. So most of the mountain passes right now, not in good shape. Showers across the coastal regions, a nice little break across most of southern BC for tomorrow. We also are just expecting a few showers. It is Thursday that the next storm pushes in, and it will move in early on Thursday. And I'll leave you with one last beautiful rainbow shot from Leanne in Port Alberni. That's a good Double one. rainbow, actually. Yeah. yeah,
0: beautiful. Thank you very much, Christy. Firefighter body cams capture a relatively routine call in Missouri that became a lot more urgent.
2: A woman called 911 when half a Pop-Tart that was stuck in her toaster caught fire. She told the firefighters that her wheelchair-bound husband was stuck in a bedroom. As smoke filled the house, firefighters scrambled to get him out. Both people were fine. The house, though, was extensively damaged. Hmm.
16: Because of of a...
0: a pop tart. Really? <laughs> she was very specific too. She said that it looked like the fruity bit in the middle started on fire. So I'm not. to <laughs> watch You gotta watch, really? the, you gotta watch that fruity
16: bit. Yeah. Now. I've had those pop tarts. before. out. <laughs> uh,
0: okay. So I didn't why... even know
16: people still ate pop tarts. So I know it's true. I well, eaten one since I was like eight. For a good um, treat. Okay, so every time you mention weather. Mm-hmm coming, like wind and rain and things like that, I always think of the guys who work for BC Hydro. Mm -hmm. Because while we're all in our house looking out the window and saying, man, that's awful out there. I wouldn't go out there. They're out there making sure that we have power. At this time of year, a lot of BC Hydro's job is restoring power. But when there's a calm before and after storms, BC
11: Hydro can bring power to something new. Uh, Today we're sending a a new power pole and a transformer bank, and the uh, end goal is to get this new temporary modular housing energized. So this is good filler work for us right now. Um, We're always waiting for the next storm to come in, and, and this is a good way to fill our day.
16: Anything Hydro's linemen do is not easy. There is always an element of danger. But to these guys, the tougher the job, the more extreme the conditions, the better it is, because they love the challenge of turning on the lights in the worst of weather.
11: It's definitely hard work. Um, it's, it's a great feeling of accomplishment, though, when you can make the scene safe and when you can get the power back on. It feels really good, and I work with a great crew of people, so it, it's good, and I love coming to work every day.
16: And it's a good thing the linemen love to work, because stats show this job is getting busier. Outages because of storms increased 265% from 2013 to 2017. Last year, 1.18 million customers were affected by an outage at some point.
0: We are busy with lots of storm stuff. There's currently lots of storm damage
16: repairs going on right now up at Sechelt and North Shore and all that. But despite that, so far the volatile weather of late fall has not been as bad as it was
0: last year. Uh, this year it's nice and mild. it's been pretty good. Um, the winds have come in, but um, they haven't brought down too much trees because our arborists have been on top of the stuff throughout the year and they've predicted uh, where the hot spots are over previous storms and they've cleared them up over the years. so um, this
7: year we' we're, so far we're getting off pretty lucky. Mother Nature has given us a bit of a break.
0: Poor young player, Oli. Oh, boy. Ollie. I remember
16: when they selected him and the crowd at Rogers Arena was like, oh, because they wanted somebody else. Such a lyrical name, though. It is a great name, though, isn't it? On December 3rd, the Canucks said Ole knee did not need surgery. He'd only be out two or three weeks. Today, we found out he had surgery on that knee and now he's out six months. That's quite a change. Now, I know it's revisionist history. And the Canucks have made great draft picks with Pedersen and Besser. But can you imagine if they had picked Matthew Kachuk instead of Yolevy as everyone thought they would? They'd have two solid lines. They had Horvat and Kachuk together on one line, Pedersen and Besser on the other. Yes, Canucks Nation, we can only dream about that. Guy in the far right is Sven Berci at practice, but not yet ready to play. He'll spend all of this week working out with the Canucks as he looks to come back from his concussion after the Christmas break. Hasn't played since October 24th. Did have three goals in his first ten games before getting hurt. Well, tonight at Rogers Arena, Canucks and Lightning. The Lightning have the most points in the NHL. They have scored the most goals, but the Canucks did beat them back in October in Tampa Bay 4-1. That was the night Vancouver scored four goals in the third period to win. Now, since then, Tampa Bay has gone right up to the NHL's penthouse suite while, of course, November saw the Canucks fall down the stairs out of a playoff spot. But Vancouver has gotten 11 out of a possible 12 points in their last six games. And Lightning coach John Cooper, good Prince George boy, uh, who probably grew up watching the Vancouver Canucks, says he likes the direction Vancouver's going in.
0: But they're playing much better than when we played them in Um, You know you can see Pedersen's really coming into his own Um, but they've got a a really good core like Besser and
6: and Horvat, you just look at that group of guys and um, the other thing is they're getting the goaltending
0: and when you're getting that it's um, you know we're you see that in us too when you get good goaltending good things happen.
16: Vancouver Warriors' first home game, Rogers Arena, Friday against Calgary. The same team the Warriors beat last Saturday, 14-13 in overtime. Vancouver actually scored the final six goals of that game, showing that things already looked different than last year when they struggled as the Vancouver Stealth.
7: Beers into the zone, takes the shot, he scores! And Vancouver, with the come-from-behind win...
11: It was a a storybook uh, way to finish our first game and... uh, i felt really good for all the players but specifically the the nine returning veterans that had to adhere two and sixteen uh season last year and um you know, it was, it was a great way to kick off the season.
6: Well, An absolute shocker here for Roughnecks fans. We
11: had a uh, didn't have an exhibition game, had a shortened uh, camp. And so there was a lot of press out there about, you know, this was a, a bad team and da-da-da-da-da. But our guys believe in themselves. We believe in our coaching staff. Our boys were hooting and hollering it up, and apparently that wasn't taken too well by the Calgary team. But, you know, when you come off a season like we have... To, to win a big game on the road, I, I would expect to, any team to be hooting and hollering. So,
16: You play goalie in lacrosse with a lot of pads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of pads. Uh, Devon Claybrooks has filled all the vacancies in the B.C. Lions coaching staff. It includes former players like Nick Lewis, who caught so many passes in the CFL, he'll help out on offense. If the Lions ever have an old-timers game, they now have Nick Lewis and G. Roy Simon. <laughs> Uh, Brian Chu, Vancouver College football legend, will work with the offensive line. Ryan Phillips, who played 12 years with the Lions, is back to work with the defensive backs. Former CFL quarterback Drew Tate will handle QBs, and the defense will fall into the hands of veteran head coach Rich Stubler, who's coming back to the Lions for a fourth time. Clay Brooks wanted coaching experience with Stubler, and he also wanted coaches who were not too far removed from being players themselves.
2: Well, it's imperative, especially in this day and age, to be able to relate to the players, and that's the key, especially to get the buy-in. And when you have former players, just like I said earlier, it's easier to say, like I understand the grind of training camp. You know, a lot of the coaches understand, except you know Tate; he's a quarterback, so he really don't understand the grind of training camp. But everybody else understands the grind of training camp, and you know, Stoops. Uh, Forgot more football than I know. So, uh, that's a great asset as well.
7: Yeah. That's going to be my next question when I see Rich Stubler. I mean, that's a name that people are familiar with. Uh, he's been around almost as long as it's the pigskin on football.
2: Yeah. I, I joke to him, joke with him all the time about it. He played with no face mask. And I was like, do you remember when you played? But, uh, he's, he's a great mentor of mine, a good friend, a guy that we can lean on. And he's a defensive guru. And I think with the weapons we're able to put together, we should be able to fly around on
14: defense.
16: In North America, it's called a firing. In the UK, it's a sacking. Whatever it is, your coach is out of a job. And today, Manchester United got rid of Jose Mourinho. He held the job for two and a half years, but right now, Manchester United is floundering. They have only one league win since November 3rd. It looks like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer will be the interim
0: manager. Turbulent tenure for him at Man U, for sure.
16: Yeah, we have a few Man U fans in this building, and they're not unhappy about what happened today.
0: Good to know. All right. There Thanks, Claire. Thanks, Claire. We'll check in with Andrew now and a preview of Global News at 11. eh?
13: Thanks, Chris. And we continue to follow developments into that tornado that tore through a town just west of Seattle this afternoon. And a weather warning has been issued for a number of the interior BC mountain passes. Between 15 and 25 centimeters of snow is expected along the Coquihalla by morning. That's in addition to the 30 centimeters that's already fallen. A travel advisory is in effect between Hope and Merritt. We'll have the latest
0: when you join us tonight
13: at 11 o'clock. Sophie, Chris.
0: All right, thanks, Ann.
13: Here's
16: today's snow report: Whistler Blackcomb base of 208 centimeters with 26 new. Grouse base of 107, 114 Cypress. Sasquatch opening to be determined. Revelstoke a base of 165 centimeters, Fernie 133, Manning Park 107, and 154 Whitewater. Big White's base, 112 centimeters, 129 Silver Star, and 107 Sun Peaks. Kicking Horse a base of 126, Mount Washington 55 new centimeters has fallen, and Powder King's base at
14: 145.
15: Coming up on ET Canada, it's superstars and seniors, starring Cardi B and Duchess Meghan, plus Will Ferrell and John C. Riley and the Golden Voice of Carlos. It's a new Christmas classic. That's all coming up at seven, right after the news hour. But for now, it's back to you, Chris and Sophie.
2: Thank you, Cheryl. Well, she first hit it big as Laverne, who, along with Powell, Shirley, dominated comedy television in the 70s and 80s.
0: Remember it well. Penny Marshall went on to become one of Hollywood's most successful and respected producer-directors, and her contributions to entertainment are being remembered with love tonight.
11: Penny Marshall was born in the Bronx and into show business. Her brother Gary and sister Ronnie were producers, Penny's earliest success was in front of the camera, including a few commercials They're
2: selling shampoo of any kind oh,
11: and small roles in TV comedies like The Bob Newhart Show.
2: Our flight, just press the call buttons.
11: She became a star in 1976 as Laverne
2: on Laverne and Shirley.
11: The show, co-starring Cindy Williams, showcased the hijinks of two working-class women in 1950s Milwaukee. I think um,
2: it was a blue-collar show. I mean, we were working class girls. We needed to make the rent. Let me see what happens, uh, Rosie Madonna.
11: When the show ended in 1983, Marshall switched to the big screen behind the camera.
12: There's no crying in baseball.
11: She directed the baseball movie, A League of Their Own. (laughs) And Big, both starring Tom Hanks and both big hits. She also directed the critically acclaimed film Awakenings with Robert De Niro. Her efforts won over movie fans and changed minds in the movie industry.
9: These old stereotypes still exist that women don't know how to create a a movie for a mass audience. They don't know how to do comedy for men. And Penny was able to show that none of that really mattered.
11: Her ex-husband Rob Reiner tweeted, so sad about Penny. While her friend Danny DeVito said, I was very fortunate to spend time with her. So many laughs. She had a heart of gold, tough as nails. Penny Marshall, remembered for her work, and her heart. Mark Barber, NBC News.
2: <laughs> and that's why we've had that theme song in our head all day.
0: All day. Shmuel Shlomazel.
2: And I've found what out was what the Shemil next part? Shlamazel is. What is it again?
0: Haas and Pfeffer Incorporated. An, right. in,
2: an inept, unlucky person. Oh, <laughs> something like that.
0: Is that right? And, and rabbit stew yeah. is the Hassan <laughs> part of it. Last word on weather, maybe, from you before we go.
8: Yeah, so not a bad day tomorrow. We'll see scattered showers, mild temperatures. We'll see mild temperatures on Thursday, too, but you can expect it to be stormy in the morning. So watch for warnings late Wednesday night.
0: Any more double rainbows?
8: Not, it's
2: too dark.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, not now, of course.
2: Rainbow colors out there.
0: That's pretty. Thanks for watching. Good night.